Greetings, wary travelers, and welcome yet again to its 1985 Good Morning. I'm Corey Fry, and together you and I have arrived at episode 9. And as my guest, you get the first shower. I finally have listeners, it appears. Yes, the feedback machine has sputtered to life with queries and suggestions. And mostly people ask me things like, what's your podcast actually about? Because, you know, the, of the title and there's no, there's really no central theme. And um, because um, subject-wise and tonally, it's all over the map. You know, sometimes I talk about the Beastie Boys or I moderate an hour-plus quasi-intellectual dissection of the police or I froth like a rabid gomer over Olsen and Johnson, two comedians no one alive remembers anymore. I, you know, I, I never make it clear when the podcast is fiction or satire, uh, when is my tongue locked firmly in cheek, and when am I completely serious? But the big question, though, is where in this torpid little world are you? That seems to be important acknowledging my geography because I'm, I'm told build your audience through localization, give the people of your community something to hear and place yourself in the context of a familiar ecosystem. And, um, honestly, I'm kind of hesitant, hesitant to do that because it, it means opening myself up in a way I'm not comfortable with. And also because I'm, I'm pretty sure the locals don't want to hear what I think about where I live. It's kind of a long conflicted embrace and I'm not sure I can articulate it without hurting some feelings, but I thought about it. Um, I thought about it for as long as I can keep my mind active and I came up with a compromise I'll do one episode about Albany, Oregon, and my confused place within it. Then I'm going right back to film, music, comedy, whatever tickles what's left of me to be tickled. Um, <clears throat> anyway, um, I should warn you beforehand that at some point I'll be talking about an event I feel wholly unqualified to discuss, and uh, I discuss it fully aware of that paradox. Okay, here we go. This afternoon, Sunday, January 20th, 2019, I uh, went to a production at the Albany Civic Theater, and it's a, it's a community playhouse in downtown Albany. I live in downtown Albany myself, which is kind of this musty cavalcade of Victorian-fueled bohemia. It's really kind of cool. So this is a convenient six-block walk. The play is called Love and Information. It's a series of blackout-type vignettes, most of which revolve around our relationship with technology, memory, <laughs> the persistent availability of information, and our relationships with each other. One of my dearest friends is in it, so I was there mostly to see her work with a puppet. Great job, Tiny. Wink! So the play lets out about four o'clock and I'm walking home down first Avenue in this motherly glow of soft falling rain. I hang a footed left down broad Albin and cut up second to third where I hear this amplified echo. 
So I go further down Bardalbin, which ends at the picturesque block-long Lynn County Courthouse, and I see a crowd and a speaker under a tarp on the courthouse steps. I can't quite make out what she's saying yet, but as I get closer, she's talking about Parkland High School student and activist Emma Gonzalez, Dr. Christine Ford, and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Um, to her left is a small poster of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and a larger sign advertising this event as the Lynn County Women's Rally. The impassioned speaker here is Christine Webb, the MC. We see the women of the 106th Congress. Yes! <laughs> and they are Muslim and Latina and Black, and they are young and they are passionate, and they are cooler than we could possibly ever want to be. <laughs> and yesterday, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, when they interviewed her at the uh, women's March that she was at, she said, last year we brought the power to the polls, and this year we need to make sure that we translate that power into policy. That means we will not let anyone take our rights. In fact, we will expand them. We are strong, we are active, we can and we will stand up, speak out, and work hard to protect our rights to not let anyone take them away, to expand them, to demand that one of the filters that is employed in making decisions, policy decisions, legal decisions, is a filter that takes into account the status and the value and the well-being of women. We see you, we appreciate you, we honor you, and we thank you. And that's just a couple of minutes of a roughly hour and a half, two hour long presentation. There are five other speakers, including Stephanie Newton, who ran for county commissioner in November. And although she lost, she's since become an important proponent for local transparency and a powerful young voice in regional politics. And uh, today she's behind the podium holding her daughter, who's more interested in grabbing for a little mic action herself than she is in listening rapidly to her mother's message. But um, everyone who speaks that day tells absolutely powerful stories about women of all cultures and local women as well who are struggling to find their voices culturally and civically while reminding us that the odyssey remains grueling and may appear elusive but it's worthwhile they speak with optimism about homelessness and reclamation of the self against terror and abuse uh, all in all, it's it's kind of an inspiring side trip for me. I wasn't expecting to make it, and I stay for the rally's duration. The rain comes a little heavier over time, but not too heavy. It's more of a quick, clean brush from your cheek. This is Oregon, after all, so rain isn't all that special here. We don't open umbrellas here until we're soaked and dead. It's cold, though. Many of us move around. A few of us bounce on our feet to maintain circulation. There's music, of course. Anthems. 
Katy Perry's Roar, Alicia Keys' Girl on Fire. Sisters are doing it for themselves from the volcanic lungular tandem of uh, Aretha Franklin and Annie Lennox. We're led in a sing-along through If I Had a Hammer. A man threads through the crowd distributing lyric sheets. I decline because they're playing the Peter, Paul, and Mary version, which I'd memorized as a kid, thanks to my mom's copy of Ten Years Together. I know where all the oohs go. Finally, we take a long walk around the block. It's dark now, and we're a small mass of battery-powered candles, umbrellas, and conversation. And all the while, I march with this group of men and women with a singular thought in my head, repeated in wonder ad infinitum. I can't believe something like this is happening in Albany. Here's the part where I piss you off and then I bore the shit out of you. Or maybe it's the other way around. See, I grew up in Albany. And something like a women's rally would have seemed improbable to me even a decade ago, much less as it would have when I was a kid. Because when I was young... Albany struck me as apolitical, but only because the quote-unquote right party was in power. Conservative down the line. It just makes sense, right? God's will. Totally American. And for much of my young lifetime, about 20 years, there was a Republican in the Oval Office. I, on the other hand, was raised in a liberal household. It wasn't chest-thumping strident or anything like that. There were no arguments over dinner about Casper Weinberger or Geraldine Ferraro. It was just that way. But um, even if I didn't grow up in a liberal household, based on what I preferred to read and watch, I probably would have leaned in that direction nevertheless. Although I didn't have a word for it at the time, conservatism struck me as um, textbook paternalism. You know, conservatives saw themselves as world-weary mom and dad, and liberals were just the over-emotional kids who didn't understand how the world worked yet, but maybe they'd come around. However, I kind of saw it as more play-acting as mom and dad, where the roles have no more depth than, I'm the fucking boss now. And the decisions I make have less to do with my love for my own children's welfare than in my own self-interest. I'd love to be able to say that, oh, being a young liberal in Albany, Oregon was so lonely and it was such a struggle and there was such adversity we had to overcome. But the God's honest truth is liberalism just didn't register here at all. Because historically, there's nothing liberal about this town. Um, the closest association I make in my memory is of uh, Vietnam War veterans in the 1980s who uh, stood on the old Y that sent Saniam and Pacific Boulevards sprawling in different directions. And uh, you'd see them there sometimes. They'd be out there holding signs endorsing the legalization of marijuana. And that's about all that comes to mind. <laughs> of course, everyone then was like, legalize marijuana? Are you nuts? Next, you'll want to make it constitutionally acceptable to fuck in the streets for coke. 
Well, that's not entirely true. Um, there was another incident. I, uh, I think it was about 92, 93. Anyway, our, our mayor at the time was this guy named Gene Bellhumor. And he was kind of a, a progressive guy. And there was this group of local skinheads that wanted to host a rally downtown and got the permits and everything. And supposedly people were going to come in from all over and there was going to be a peaceful demonstration for white rights. So naturally, a counter-protest was then scheduled for the same time. And uh, back then, I think there was a general consensus. Okay, you also got to consider that Albany is a town that celebrates its war veterans every year with a massive parade. So in nine, you know, so circa 90, 92, 93, we still have a large faction of World War II veterans. And liberal or conservatives, most of them see 20-year-olds waving swastikas around town as a fucking slap in the face. So it turned out that the expected influx of white movement figures from all over the state never materialized, and the counter-protest was easily easily the better-attended event. There was tension, but it was more kind of curiosity, and it was nowhere near powder keg levels. Um, Aside from the signs and the chants, it all diffused rather quietly. Although, um, God, I hate to imagine that it would have gone down much differently today in a more emboldened age. This is a tough thing talking about Albany because I'm not from here. I'm not even from the state, but I've lived here long enough off and on to have deep memories of this town that predate a 37 year old natives. And Albany, for me, has always ridden this threadbare line between small-town pride and a puzzling arrogance it hasn't earned. It crushes culture it doesn't like. It mocks ambition it doesn't understand. It regards the Reagan years as a peak and wonders why we can't just operate that way forever. It's a city of 53,000 people now, but its heart stopped at 25. Overall, Albany sees something like a women's rally with skepticism and an almost adorably boneheaded amusement. <laughs> you know, accusations disguised as questions. Why are you doing this? What's the point? What are you trying to prove? What's your focus exactly? And the funny thing is, the people posing these questions, they're not genuinely interested in answers. You know, they're just, it's an opportunity to revive their high school bravado. Oh, hashtag, not my march. I'm my own person. I don't need a rally to prove my strength. I'm not a snowflake. I'm my own person. Ask my husband. Ask my wife. Ask my kids. Ask my uncle. I'm too busy working for a living and taking care of my family. What you're doing is stupid and unnecessary. I'm my own person. Oh, maybe if you were prettier and believed in Jesus. Maybe if you posted more memes about how sensitive, empathetic, and courageous you are. Did I tell you I'm my own person? Smile more. All lives matter. I don't care if you hold a rally. Maybe we'll hold our own rally. Why are you holding a rally? If you want to hold a rally, hold a rally, but shut up about the rally because I don't want to talk about your rally. I don't want to hear about your rally. I don't care about your rally. And God damn it, why are you holding a rally? And on and on and on. And meanwhile, the rally takes place. 
There are no histrionics and no men are stripped and skin alive. And the basic message is let's get involved at the local level. Let's expose what others won't discuss and propose solutions. Let's contribute to the betterment of humankind. Let our voices be heard for change, for a change. Which is, God, what's the word? Admirable. And it's nice to hear from women who actively do these things despite torrents of tired bullshit quacked from the sidelines. And that includes my bullshit, which I'm retiring forthwith, except to say that times are changing, perspectives are changing, and even a proudly defiant insular city like Albany, Oregon, is not immune, which is kind of weird to me, but not unwelcome. You can call me naive, and that's okay. I accept that I'm naive. It keeps me young. I've always held anyway that the main difference between liberals and conservatives is that liberals want an America that can't exist, and conservatives want an America that never existed. Neither of us are going to get our way. But I'd rather aspire to something better. I'd rather move forward than stand still or take giant leaps backward into the dark. <laughs>